Hey everybody, welcome to episode 41 of the Balance Room Music Podcast. I am your host, musician and producer Ingrid Wood, W-O-O-D-E. This podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and now also Spreaker for you to subscribe to. That way, whenever I uh, put out a, a new episode, you just get one notification if you're subscribed to any of those apps. You'll get one notification letting you know there's something new for you to listen to inside of the balance room. This episode is supported by Botkin Wines, makers of America's first sparkling Sauvignon Blanc. This truly unique wine from a proudly African-American-owned winery is crisp and refreshing. It pairs well with good food, great friends, live music, and sunny days. Buy a bottle for less than $20 from the winery website at botkinwines.com. That's B-O-D-K-I-N Wines, W-I-N-E-S dot com, using the 20% discount code BR20. That's capital B, capital R, 20, exclusively for you all, the Balance Room listeners. This promo code is good until Friday, June 23rd, 2017, so make sure you take advantage. To my new and returning Balance Roomers, I appreciate you for hitting play. Welcome. Uh, This is a podcast not just for musicians or music lovers. This is a podcast for creatives who already are or who have a desire to make a living from their creative side. I share parts of my journey, and every now and then I bring in guests to share parts of their journey with you all and myself as well. I record that conversation, and I share it in this podcast. Okay, so this episode is actually part two of a conversation that I had with Mr. Derek Westbrook, who is a sommelier. He is the founder of a company called Vine Culture, formerly known as The Winemen. And he also works with and works at 57th Street Wines, located in Chicago, (laughs) Illinois, one of my favorite places. So if you haven't listened to part one of the conversation, which is in episode 40, I would suggest just hit pause on this episode. Go back and listen to episode 40. Um, and that'll kind of that'll help help preface what this conversation is going to be in this particular episode. But OK, but in part two, in, in, in this podcast, Derek and I, we continue our conversation and we talk a little bit more about really what led him to even becoming a sommelier and kind of diving into that wine world. We talk a little bit about how uh, some of the people who are close to him in his life, how some of them were, you know, initially concerned and questioned his judgment to really go full-fledged um, being a sommelier and everything that, that comes along with that. But we're going to start this conversation out with actually Derek <laughs> giving us an audible tour of uh, 57th Street Wines in Chicago, which is where he was when we were having this conversation a few months ago. So without further ado, let's go ahead and step into the balance room. I'll give you a visual, even though you're not in, so you walk in on your right, we have a wall full of wine wooden chefs, wine all over the place from different countries. And then on the left side, we have a couple beer coolers. And then in the center, we have like a table where we kind of work at, beautiful wooden table, reclaimed wood. And then to the right of that table, there's another table with wine on it, stuff that we love. And then there's a, a wooden shelf that has wine and beer on it. And it's super warm, wood everywhere. And then we have uh, in the back, a lounge area where we have like a couch, a wicker love seat, rocking chair. So it's really warm, a carpet, and it just fits coffee table and it just fits beautifully. But it's not like it's not stuffy. Like you want it feels warm without being stuffy. And I think like that was something that we're really conscious about. And that's a 
thumbs up to our team because like we discussed and disagreed about how we can like find that balance. And because of you have these pushing and pulling forces that happen naturally within within our discussion groups that ultimately it comes out and the vision always becomes better than what we imagine, which is often doesn't happen. Like they always talk about like on film, the best the script's ever going to be is on paper or in your head. And the idea is to not diminish it once it goes to film. I think the, that comes from building a business and building a space. The best of spaces is in your head. And how can you diminish it as little as possible? I don't know how, but we not only didn't diminish the vision, but we made it better than what we thought it was going to be. Like the shop is more beautiful than I thought it was going to be. And it's continually getting more beautiful every day. And the, and the community is continuing to ingratiate. You know, we're continuing to ingratiate ourselves to the community as well. So it's, it's fantastic. But yeah, so that, I just want to shout out the team and make sure people know like me being, you know, a Somalia, like you, you can't, like being a Somalia doesn't mean you got the keys to the kingdom. You need a group of people around you and environment where the hi- there is no hierarchy or if there is, like it's it's not a, a me or I situation. It's we, you know what I'm saying? We're going from me to we, so yeah. What were you like as a kid? Yeah, man, I was a super curious kid. I, you know, I played sports, like started playing sports when I was six. So I was running bunches full of energy. And it was funny when I was a little kid, like I, I played football and baseball were the two things. Um, so those have been my first loves. And I was into like wondering how things work. I like pins, I would take them apart and try to put them back together. The clicky pins, I, you know, I was mostly successful in that. But I was always wanting to like figure out how things work. At one point in time, my parents had the answer machine, the old answer machine where we put the tape in. They were moving to like a digital one. Um, but like I wanted to know how the old one works. So I took it apart, looked through it, tried to put it back together. Wasn't quite successful for reverse engineering it, but it was a lot of fun. And I think that's a very good snapshot of who I was. Wonderful home. I lived in the suburbs of Nashville, Tennessee. So I had enough of the city and enough of the suburbs to where like it was a really good balance. I didn't know then, but yeah, it was fun. I had a wonderful balance of life. When you were growing up, did you did you have any examples um, of people who were business owners, people who were entrepreneurs? Yeah. Uh, so it's funny. Like, there's probably two examples. Like, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't have a real understanding of the word, but there were two people who I saw as an example. You know, I was a big church kid when I was growing up. Um, not so much now, but I was big in the church, you know, every Sunday and Wednesday and sometimes on the week. But like the, the first entrepreneur I ever met was like a pastor. Because like when you think about their roles, they play in the community, them waking up, their job, like they're running a business, you know, church is a business and they they do a great job of running that. So watching him was huge for me. Um, that was probably my first introduction to entrepreneurship. And then there was a gentleman who he always had these hustles. So like at first he had like a, a home cleaning business and he sold that. And then he had like a retail, mobile retail shop. And he sold it like he was always doing stuff. But like funny thing is, is like, in my head, it was like he, like he don't, he don't just have a regular job. Like, what, what is that? Like, I don't get that. Like, you gotta, you know, everything you hear is like, go out get a job, man. And he didn't. And I worked for him a couple of times, and it was interesting and exciting. But I, like, I couldn't place my finger on it because I didn't know what it was. So those were the two like first introductions to, through my developmental years. I think like the spirit, the entrepreneurial spirit, came from being able to want to engage and active and like create and, and be a part of things it's it's something that i'm learning more so now i think like now at, in my adult years since college and even now 
like I've worked for directly under entrepreneurs who I respect greatly. And I think I'm learning every day what that is from them because, you know, they are the catalyst for, for my growth, my understanding. I think it's I think I've learned more in my later years. I think the seed was planted in my formative years just by being around people who I, I may not have understood them as entrepreneurs, but that's what they were. I moved to Chicago um, as an adult after I finished college. So there's a there's a journey from Nashville to, to uh, Alabama and then to Chicago, ultimately, where I make my life now. So, uh, yeah, but a uh, Southern gentleman at heart, Southern boy at heart, moving, moving at the pace of the Windy City. So. All right. So I'm interested to know when or, or what was your introduction to wine? <laughs> so it's a great question. Um, so the statute of limitations is up, so I can tell you the truth. Um, so my first taste of wine was uh, at eight years old. It was champagne. Um, <laughs> it was my play on. Uh, we were at a party, and I was standing at this glass of champagne, looking at her, standing at the glass, and she was like, you want some? I tasted some. Um, so yeah, that was my first introduction. Then I had a reintroduction, like my junior and senior year in college uh, to, to, to alcohol in general. So I, I'll just say this is um, I had a friend of mine who lived on a farm or had like a farm on the outskirts of Nashville and his father would go on trips. So we would throw parties and because we were in the country, you know, you could come up on some things. Um, we could we could find ways to get around not being 21 to, to buy alcohol. And yeah, so that was that was my first introduction to to. To, to wine, beer, and spirits, mostly beer and spirits then, but yeah. While I was in college, I worked at an Italian restaurant who was building their wine list at the time. While I was there, you got to learn wine. Uh, and the way I got the job is that my mentors like work at a restaurant because you'll, you'll always have money in your pocket, you'll always be able to eat, and you'll always be able to drink. So I went there, started working there, was a server that was building their wine list, and I was like, man, the best way to make money is get people to buy bottles of wine. Like people were buying alcohol, they were buying glasses. I wanted them to buy bottles because my, my sales go up, but like they couldn't buy the bottle if I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. So like I learned very quickly about what was good, what was not. And they were building a wine list. And, you know, I, I think I, I like to think I'm eternally curious. So that curiosity with the desire to, you know, hustle and grind and be as successful as possible in that realm led me to have an accelerated understanding and an accelerated appreciation for wine. The catalyst was was, you know, the check but you know that led to to an exploration that that i still have today was it hard for your friend really your family was it hard for your family to justify to themselves the logic behind you know you deciding to dive full-fledged into the wine world and make a career in that world and become a sommelier when that's not necessarily what you went to school for. And they may, it was, might've been hard for them to see the parallel between those two worlds. Yes, man. Especially the biggest, my pops was the hardest on me. A hundred percent, man. He was a hundred percent on that, you know, get a real job tip, like serving waiting tables and wine in college. That was cool. But uh, he's definitely like, man, you're a grown man now. Like you need to, <laughs> you need to go out here and get this real job. And, you know, he probably didn't believe me believe in me or believe in, in kind of the path I was taking until like I start I became a beverage director at Elizabeth and so Elizabeth is a Michelin star restaurant and, and it took me getting there before he was like oh this might be something you can do or I respect it as a sustainable 
lifestyle. And really, you know, like the only time he ever told me that uh, I was smart after I graduated college was like when he was like, look, you're too smart to be doing this. And I was like, like, you don't get it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He was like, you too smart to be doing this. But the thing about it is like, like it is a legitimate source of income. It's a legitimate lifestyle. And I can't really blame him because, you know, like he's from that, like did his homework by candlelight, you know, walked two miles to school. Like he did that. He went from there to, to being uh, one of the directors for the United States Department of Agriculture in Tennessee. So like he created it for himself, you know what I mean? So to see me, what he thought I was wasting my time and talent, he was like, yo, you got to get on it. And so, I, you know, I can't really blame him, but I showed him proof and, and now, you know, he respects it. To me, it seems like video content is uh, super important right now, you know, that um, it's a it's a unique way to document the journey. Um, it's a unique way to get your brand out there because, you know, people love web series. They uh, they love docu-series. They love seeing part of the story. And, you know, like I said, initially, what drew me to want to know more about you was honestly, you know, just coming from you coming across as genuine on camera and, you know, being comfortable with yourself. And I, I look at that as an asset. Have you ever thought about diving into that world and, and figuring out ways to, to document the journey visually for other people to, to see and to find out about you and what you're doing? Yeah. So um, I think to, uh, well, one thing I want to shout out, uh, a guy named Reginald Rice and Marcus Carruthers, two of the gentlemen like I met in the last, like, it's been a whirlwind. So in the last three months, uh, us opening the shop. And then I've been able to meet some awesome, like, you know, photographers and filmmakers uh, who look like me and, and who can, you know, who I think will capture what we do properly. Uh, but yeah, I would love for us to like the vlogs, the web series, the documentary, all that. And I, and I think like more so than just me, like, I like to think that I'm charming and engaging, but the wine shop, like 57th street wines is, I can't tell you how many times I tell my, my, my coworkers like, Oh man, this would be a good bit of man. We're so funny. Or like somebody should shoot us. And it's, it's true. Like it's, the things that happen to us, the way the like, you know, we live a very fortunate, fascinating, fortuitous life, and like we different, like we're like, nobody. There's n- I can't think of anybody else in the industry who has a kind of the same concept that we have, the same type of people we have, the same type of energy we have. Like, like it's proprietary. You know what I mean? Like, we, we, you know, because there's a, such a unique nature of us, and we all like play our, our different roles in our different parts. It's not a hierarchy necessarily. It's more like we're an amoeba of different backgrounds and flavors and perspectives. I think we'd be the best dramedy to ever show. You know, I'm a bit biased, but like I think the I think the entrepreneurial journey and the business building model itself is fascinating and unique and i think coming from a different perspective like i'm gonna go on my rant because i want to talk about the team but like there's so many unsung heroes like there's you know like steven who's like the the brainchild mastermind nerd who like the only reason we've all gathered here is because of him and then lauren Daisy, who's like our 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 beer head and spirits and and she doesn't get enough love but like she sometimes i like like we go back and forth on spirits but you know, she lets me win sometimes or she lets me think I know what I'm talking about sometimes. But we, we created an environment that's fantastic. And then like Bex, and she's probably going to kill me for saying this, but like I think of her as like she's oftentimes our moral compass, like because we want to run a business that's sustainable 
and socially conscious. I feel like a lot of us, and me and Steven, and it, it may be part of us because the perspective we hold in life, that like a lot of times we allow ourselves to waver too much into, you know, the, the make money, make money, make money. And then we don't, we don't think of how that plays to the greater cause or to the greater good of community. Like we're conscious of it, but it's easy to slip into that space. I know I am, and I can't speak to Steven as much, but like Bex kind of gives us that more confidence. Like, okay, th- this decision has these repercussions or this this is what this looks like. Or even when it comes to distributors or even the products that we bring in, nobody's talking about that on TV or, or in movies or on vlogs or in web series. I don't think so. I don't think there's that perspective uh, being so- shown. I think there's we're not the only people in the world doing it. You know, there's no way. But having that perspective out there is key to, to the universe and to everybody who's listening. If you want to, uh, you know, film us, shoot us, write a script, we're definitely down for it. You're definitely going to have to pay us, though. We're going to have to make some money because uh, uh, we want to do this. But but yeah, we're, we're definitely 100% into it. I think this is what, what culture needs, and, I, and it'll be a hell of a lot of fun to do, too. I think I think we're sitting on a gold mine. And again, it's proprietary, so I'm not worried about anybody stealing it because they can't fake what we have. So, yeah. All right, you all. That's pretty much it for this episode, episode 41, part two of my conversation with Mr. Derek Westbrook. If you enjoy this episode, if you got something of value, I encourage you hit that share button in your app. You can share wherever you like. If you're listening to this on your smartphone, uh, you can actually you can take a screenshot, put it on Instagram. <laughs> Feel free to tag me at the balance room don't forget that you have until friday june 23rd 2017 to take advantage of that promotional discount that bach and wines is offering exclusively to you all the balance room listeners um all you got to do again is go to bachandwines.com that's b-o-d-k-i-n wines w-i-n-e-s.com go there and when you're ready to check out just use the promo code br20 capital b capital r Two zero, and you will get that twenty percent discount. Well, this goes until Friday, June twenty third. Derek, I appreciate you for accepting my invitation into the balance room. I really enjoyed our conversation. I cannot wait for the next time I go to Chicago. I'm definitely going to check out Fifty Seven Street Wines. And you, all the listeners, if you live in Chicago or you know somebody who lives in or near Chicago, let them know. Check out Fifty Seven Street Wines. Uh, let them know. Check out Vine Culture. Go to vineculture.com. Uh, when you go to their website, culture has no E. So it's V-I-N-E-C-U-L-T-U-R.com. Leave the E off uh, culture and vineculture.com. Now keep in mind that all this information that's in this episode, whether it's links, whether it's websites, contact information, all that good stuff. I put all of that in the podcast description within your app. If you are not sure how to find that in your app, that's okay. You can always go to thebalanceroom.com. Look for the respective episode. In this case, it'll be episode 41. Until next episode, this is your host, Ingrid Wood. Even when I'm gone, my voice will still be here. Make sure that yours is as well. Take care, God bless, and stay balanced. Yo, this is Derek Westbrook of Vine Culture and 57th Street Wines, your favorite sommelier, and you're listening to The Balance Room Podcast.